Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy. Bestow in abundance your mercy upon us, and grant that with you as our ruler and guide, we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that ever endure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord said, How great an outcry there is against Sodom and Gomorrah! How grievous is their sin! I propose to go down and see whether or not they have done all that is alleged in the outcry against them that has come up to me. I am determined to know. The men left there and went to Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Approaching him, he said, Are you really going to destroy the just man with a sinner? Perhaps there are fifty just men in the town. Will you really overwhelm them? Will you not spare the place for the fifty just men in it? Do not think of doing such a thing to kill the just man with a sinner, treating just and sinner alike. Do not think of it. Will the judge of the whole earth not administer justice? The Lord replied, If at Sodom I find fifty just men in the town, I will separate the whole place because of them. Abraham replied, I am bold indeed to speak like this to my Lord, I who am dust and ashes. But perhaps the fifty just men lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for five? No, he replied, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five just men there. Again, Abraham said to him, Perhaps there will only be forty there. I will not do it, he replied, for the sake of the forty. Abraham said, I trust my Lord will not be angry, but give me leave to speak. Perhaps there will only be thirty there. I will not do it, he replied, if I find thirty there. He said, I am bold indeed to speak like this, but perhaps there will only be twenty there. I will not destroy it, he replied, for the sake of the twenty. He said, I trust my Lord will not be angry if I speak once more. Perhaps there will be only ten. I will not destroy it, he replied, for the sake of the ten. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I thank you, Lord, with all my heart. You have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will bless you. I will adore before your holy temple. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I thank you for your faithfulness and love, which excel all we ever knew of you. On the day I called, you answered. 
you increased the strength of my soul. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. The Lord is high, yet he looks on the lowly, and the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of affliction, you give me life and frustrate my foes. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. You stretch out your hand and save me. Your hand will do all things for me. Your love, O Lord, is eternal. Discard not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. You have been buried with Christ when you were baptised, and by baptism too, you have been raised up with him through your belief in the power of God who raised him from the dead. You were dead because you were sinners and had not been circumcised. He has brought you to life with him. He has forgiven us all our sins. He has overridden the law and cancelled every record of the debt we had to pay. He has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. You have received the spirit which makes us God's children, and in that spirit we call God our Father. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, Say this when you pray. Father, may your name be held holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive each one who is in debt to us. And do not put us to the test. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him in the middle of the night to say, My friend, lend me three loaves because a friend of mine on his travels has just arrived at my house and I have nothing to offer him. And the man answers from inside the house, Do not bother me. The door is bolted now and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give it to you. I tell you, if the man does not get up and give it to him for friendship's sake, persistence will be enough to make him get up and give his friend all he wants. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For the one who asks always receives, the one who searches always finds, the one who knocks will always have the door opened to him. What father among you would hand his son a stone when he asked for bread? Or hand him a snake instead of for fish? Or hand him a scorpion if he asked for an egg? If you then who are evil know how to give your children what is good, how much more will the heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I may have shared this with you before, uh, and if I have, forgive me, but it made an impact on me when I first heard about it. 
1992, a German artist by the name of Cosi Piero fixed a placard on the door of the Theatine Church in Munich. And on it, she'd composed what she believed to be the exact opposite of the Our Father. Now, considering the photo negative of this prayer, perhaps can help bring into sharper relief the true attitude that Jesus is encouraging in the son or daughter who prays the Our Father from the heart. Here's what she wrote. Man, which I am on earth, may my name be holy. May my kingdom come, and may it come through my own will. I forgive this and all my trespasses, and I release myself from all evil. For this is my power and my glory for a short time. Here is man at the very centre, and he's taken for himself the place of God. He's holy to himself and creates for himself his own kingdom. He's elevated the expression of his own will to the highest. And he absolves himself of any wrongdoing, and he accuses himself of no evil. The naked expression of man's power. This is his glory. Though it may not be forever and ever, it is so for a short time. When we look at the photo negative of the Our Father that's placed before us, we can start to consider just how radical and challenging the familiar prayer of Jesus actually is. God is God. He's the Father. He's the one who is at the centre. It's his name which is holy. The Jews held the name of God holy by never pronouncing it. God's name is not one among others. He's not one God among others. God is transcendent. I'm not. He is being in itself. And I'm not. He's the Holy One, the ground of all existence and the cause of my existence. And so we're taught to pray for the coming of his kingdom and the fulfillment of his will. We are to pray that he reigns over us with the supreme confidence that our father isn't a tyrant, he's not a dictator, and his will happening on earth as it is in heaven will bring about our flourishing. When we pray that the father would feed us and forgive us, we're speaking of the way in which we relate to God. We turn to him for our nourishment, acknowledging that we're needy before him. We're hungry before him. We need him to keep us in existence continually, to always give us the gift of life. Even in the midst of our sinfulness, of our trespasses. The anti-prayer that was written by Cosi Piero describes some difficult tendencies which are very present in our humanity. We hear in those words the echo of our ancient pride. 
We hear the voices of Adam and Eve who don't want God as their Lord, but want to be independent, choosing good and evil for themselves. In my own plans and projects, I seek my kingdom to come. I seek my will to be done. And I can quickly excuse my own faults and failings because it's my name that's truly holy. Now here, we come upon a paradox. The prayer, which is truly elevating and ennobling, is the one that doesn't seek to exalt oneself, but the one which glorifies God and acknowledges our own humility before him. The prayer which truly makes us free is the one where we acknowledge our total dependence on the Father. The prayer in which we promise him our obedience, that his will be done. It would seem that we're at our freest with the naked expression of our own will, when we're completely self-determined and independent the highest hope of this anti-prayer. But the key to this paradox is found in the first words of the prayer. Our Father. God is transcendent, but he's not a tyrant. He's almighty, and he's a loving Father. To acknowledge our dependence on one who loves us isn't humiliating. To give our will to the one who wills our good doesn't harm us, but brings about our good. Praising a God who is not my rival doesn't come at my expense. Glorifying God doesn't make me less, but in fact makes me who I've been created to be. His son, his daughter, The truth is, the anti-prayer is a recipe for loneliness. The Our Father is the prayer of communion. Now, this communion comes out beautifully in the rest of the Gospel. Did you notice that in each of the three sections, the Lord talks about bread In the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. And then remember the parable, right? He instructs us to remain persevering in prayer because the neighbour asks for bread and persists in asking. And then in this third section, what father among you would hand his son a stone when he asked for bread? Three times the Lord tells us to look toward God for bread. And, you know, from ancient times, God has revealed himself as the one who feeds his people. Remember Israel's 40 years of wandering in the desert. The people were fed each day with the manna, the bread come down from heaven. And, you know, this manna, it was like a... It was like a flowery kind of substance which appeared on the ground in the morning as the dew lifted, and the people would go and gather up this manna and use it to make bread. And there was always sufficient manna. But interestingly, it would spoil quickly. 
You couldn't go, you know, gather up enough manna for the week. No, you had to go out each day because the following day it was no longer suitable to be eaten. The Lord fed his people in the desert quite literally with their daily bread. The desert was the place where Israel learned to trust God. He gave to Israel what was sufficient for the day. And when the day was over, he'd feed them again. The people came to know that God is the one who nourishes them and leads them to freedom. God is the one who draws them into an intimate bond, a covenant of belonging. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. And it's this relationship of trust which the Lord Jesus invites us to enter into. He doesn't just tell us to ask for all bread for each and every day. No, come back each day. Give us this day our daily bread. And like this isn't a case of God being withholding or God keeping us in some humiliating condition of total dependence on him where we have to come begging and scraping each and every day. No, it's the realisation that God draws us into a daily relationship with him. The bread which he gives us is sufficient and suitable for this day. And like Israel, we're called into this relationship of loving trust, a covenant of belonging. And so the Lord Jesus focuses us upon this key revelation. God is our father. What father among you would hand his son a stone when he asked for bread? We're told to turn to the father each day to ask for bread. For life. And it's the great joy of the Father to have a daily relationship with his sons and daughters. It's his joy to nourish us. Now, often we're tempted to ask for more than our daily bread, and perhaps that can stem from a lack of faith. Do we think sometimes that it's safer to have a surplus just in case God no longer feeds us? Perhaps we think that there's greater happiness to be found in possessing more. But God has not given me everything. In the midst of these temptations, the Lord Jesus reveals to us God's true nature, his Father. If you then who are evil know how to give your children what is good, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Our trust in God's providence doesn't come from a vain hope or a roll in the dice. No, our trust in God's providence is grounded in who he is. He's our Father. That's how we always need to come before Him. A beloved son, a beloved daughter, coming before a loving, provident Father. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.